0: Damon McLean is the head of sales development at Assembled, a workforce vendor management platform whose mission it is to create a support operations platform that helps companies maintain exceptional customer experiences. Now I've known Damon for several years and had the opportunity to actually work alongside him and see firsthand how he works with teams and how he helps them achieve new heights. In this episode, we unpack Damon's incredible backstory on his training for and participation in Olympic track and field events. He shares with us how he translates performing at such an elite level to getting SDR teams to perform at their best. We go deep on the balance between individual talent and accountability and fostering the right environmental conditions. I hope you're ready to get fired up because this is one of those interviews where you're gonna be inspired in a big way. Okay, everyone, I have a special guest here with me today. uh, Someone I've worked alongside with before uh, and I know pretty well, but I get to to know him a little bit better today. So, uh, D, Damon McLean, um, I really appreciate you being here on the show, man. And uh, I know this is probably long overdue. I probably should hit you up (laughs) earlier on. But uh, Damon is also a a fellow sales development leader. So we definitely share that passion. Uh, But he has a really interesting background that I want to unpack with the audience first. Uh, So you're not originally from the States. Uh, Where are you from originally? And talk to us about that journey coming to the United States.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Derek. Uh, This means a lot to me. And I know, I said, we've worked together in the past. And so for me, this is like working together again. But some of the stuff that you're doing in the industry, I love to see it. Um, Yeah, my my background is interesting. I I like to say I I am from Jamaica, born and raised, as people know, Montego Bay and Kingston. So I was born and raised right out of Montego Bay end nice. up going to high school in Kingston. um that was fun and if everyone knows like the boys and girls champs um it's it's probably the heights off like track and field for high school in jamaica um and so i i was able to you know like wow some of the coaches because you do have college coaches coming to take a look and throughout my career like early career i'm a high school kid you get, I get a letter from this wonky school in Jersey called Princeton. And you're like, (laughs) Hey, we're interested for you to come, come to a camp. I'm like, ah, funny. Someone's messing with me. Right. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, yeah, this was kind of, it would be kind of the equivalent of um, junior year. And so I was like, Oh, but I I can't go to a camp in the summer. I can't afford that. Um, But it started to make me realize that I could go to America. I could go to school abroad. Mm. Um, that I didn't necessarily have to just go to school in in Jamaica.
0: So that wasn't necessarily a plan early on in your life to make the parlay into the States. Like this just happened serendipitously.
1: Yeah. um, Hmm. As I think about my family, I'm probably one of the only one that's in America right now. It just hasn't been done. And people, you know, I did have people from my college, from my, sorry, from my high school who actually came to America. So I would have seen instances of, okay, Hmm. these people are going there. And so it was sort of a possibility, but it wasn't full on. And so as you can imagine, college is not cheap <laughs> and our exchange rate in Jamaica isn't the best. And so, um, you know, I started thinking, hey, if I'm going to do this, it has to be for free. And I I didn't necessarily care where I ended up. I just said, hey, if I'm going to do this, it I just has to be for free. And it gave me the opportunity to expand the, the lines. And, you know, mm-hmm. so said, so done. I had a couple of um, college coming knocking because, you know, it turns out I was, I was actually good at what I was doing.
0: (laughs) So you were a track and field high school got identified junior year or our equivalent of a junior year. Now, were you, I know you to do the triple jump Mm -hmm. for the track and field games. Was it always triple jump? Did you do high jump? Did you do relays? Anything else?
1: I was mainly long jump, actually. So a lot of people okay. see me in triple. I think a lot of people actually start in the long jump. And then triple is kind of like, oh, you're not doing that great. Go do the triple. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't think it's someone, something some people take up. Um, and so that's what is happening. where it's like, I've been going down this path off of a long jump. And then I realized, hey, I'm not doing as great as I thought. And my coach was like, hey, maybe you're more suited for this. And so, so it was like a slight transition. Okay. Um, and turns out I was really good at it. Um and it's part of the ILS to say there's not a lot of people doing it, but you it's one of those things that's a great combination of speed and strength that like can really when done well, um, it looks great. So right, right. that's that's a big ping for me. And then I think towards the end of that year, everyone knows the pen relays. I had the opportunity to go to the pen relays. So that really kind of blew it up. I came second at the pen relays that oh, year wow. nice. um in high school. And so that was just Okay, now I'm here. It was also my first time in America. <laughs> uh, a little overwhelming, probably. Yeah, and and but it was such a great opportunity because you know the Jamaican crowd, and and from then, obviously, more coaches came calling to say, "Hey, like this dude coming from a small country, what could he do for our college?" You know. Nice, nice. Well,
0: uh, I know that the Olympics were uh, a target of yours, uh, particularly the 2016 Olympics. So, so we'll talk about. It you training and getting ready for that. But before, before we do, I want to understand like early on at this point in your life, uh, what did your, what did your parents do and how did, like, how did they influence your decisions early on in terms of, you know, getting into track and field, coming to the States and, and you know, through a full ride, all this kind of stuff. Like, how did they influence that?
1: Yeah. So this is an interesting story that, um, very few people know. So, um, My mom was just a, uh, she works in a restaurant. Um, My dad, he's a coach. We don't really talk. Um, So he does coach like, you know, high school soccer or track and field cricket. Um, The big thing for me though, was it was, it was a thing that was mine. Track and sports became a thing that was mine. The other thing that um, you haven't heard, Derek, is that I was also a goalkeeper. I played soccer as well. Right up towards um, okay. in fact, I was I got the opportunity to represent Jamaica. I didn't I turned it down um, wow. for the under 19 because at that point I just got my track scholarship and I didn't want to jeopardize right you. Know. <laughs> so yeah. I was actually sports was my thing and and I like to say I was a nerd, right. I had 4.0 GPA and so I felt like wow. me doing the 4.0 GPA was for my family. But I needed something that was mine. Right. And then sports became my thing where I was the one that was, it was my solace. Like no one told me what to do. I could I did it out of a love, um, not necessarily because my parents wanted to. And I'm sure there's tons to unpack there of like the things we do because we try to please our parents. Right. But exactly. Sports mm-hmm. became my thing where it was my solace away from trying to please other people in my life, you know.
0: Got it. And you you studied chemistry though, when you were there too. So that's an interesting choice.
1: Yeah, it's so just like with most college. Um, I come to America. It was freezing cold. I'm in Jersey,
0: right? From Jamaica. In... <laughs> <to that. laughs>
1: yeah, right. It's then. Then when I actually came, it was my second time in America. So I'm like, okay, well, what is happening here? Um, you know, you get to choose a major after your second year, and it was one of those things where chemistry was just. I was just good at it. Um, I was just like, Hey, like uh, everyone was the all the pre-med people are doing um, the pre-med courses. I did all that. I felt like I was really good at it. Um, which was looking back in hindsight, you always think about the things that you're really good at, but the thing that you might use to make a living. Um, it's so funny. I'm in sales and I had a chemistry background. Right. <laughs> For me, it's, <laughs> I, I love being in the lab. I love being in the lab. I love, I'm running experiments. Um, what I didn't love was the fact that a lot of the graduate students that I saw, they were just there, that was their life. And I mm-hmm. felt like I was more of a social person. And so for me, um, I ended up doing chemistry because yeah, I did love it, but it was also a part of it too, It's like, I just needed to fulfill my duty. I needed to get this degree and then say, Hey, my parents, here's this four-year degree that you guys want me to have now. Can I go live my life? <laughs> so it was interesting transition. Chemistry was fun, um, but mm-hmm. I didn't also think through what what might I do with it after the fact. So you're starting to see a theme of just showing up, working hard, but yeah. like not yeah. necessarily thinking what what the end end result might be.
0: <laughs> well, you know, there doesn't always have to be a master plan uh, in play. You know, we, we can have uh, what works right now and where our interests lie today, and know that sometimes our passions evolve later and they're found through the mission. So uh, it's an interesting story. uh, And I can only imagine what that was like, just navigating coming to the States and, you know, learn studying chemistry, which is in itself is uh, a very uh, uh, robust topic, getting a 4.0 doing well in track and field and soccer. I mean, you're all over the place. So talk about, that transfers into you getting ready for the Olympics, right? There's a, there's a level of discipline. There's a little, there's an order in routine in your life. There's something you're doing on a regular basis. That's helping you be successful in all these fields. So, you know, talk about what you do in preparation, because the parallel that I want to draw in is that salesperson who should be preparing for the Olympics of their career effectively. Right. So, when you think about getting ready for the 2016 Olympics, what did that time in your life look like? You were a completely different person then.
1: Yeah, completely different person. Um, I would have been two years out of graduation and you talked about um, some games that I'd been at and I graduated 2014 coming out of college and so I was in an interesting place because because I'm from Jamaica, I don't have a green card, I'm not a citizen, and so the whole idea is like, how do I stay in the country? Um, and so there is this stress. I go back home, and it's like, hey, do I go do this PhD? Because I have a chemistry a bachelor's in chemistry. Do I go back to do more school? And I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm a very self-driven person. I can figure this out. But I was also, I was on you know, I was on the cusp of, I wasn't the top, I was, you know, all American uh, multiple times over in college, but I wasn't like top three, you know? And and so for me, it's like, I feel like I have it within me because when I look at cohorts of people that I joined, you know, entering college with, like, they were top three. I was like, why did they get so far? And so for me, um, it's maybe it was the coaching, maybe it was the environment. And so I felt like I have the drive, but I didn't have the environment to make me successful. So- um, that summer, worked hard, got to go to the Commonwealth Games. That was in Scotland, so that was amazing. Wow. And then after the the the, um, the Commonwealth Games, well, actually during, I, I got the opportunity to, to meet up with, you know, Usain Bolt was there, a couple other really nice. good athletes were just yeah. there, um, and I was like, wow, I could see myself doing this. Yeah. Um you know, if anyone knows anything about professional sports or even professional track, you don't get paid a lot, um, or it's just, you know, when you, you're starting out, there's there, it's it's professional track it's not like college track where you have a team you have to go find a team mm-hmm. and so the first thing i wanted to say is like where would i go train and so for me it was we had a really great um opportunity to go to this this um, group that was in phoenix arizona and it was it really fundamentally changed the way i thought about showing up daily and preparation and if you start to think about it is i always often think about in work we're we're, we're showing up every day it's like every day is game day right. but for an olympic like most people are training four years, right, to show up to this Olympics. Um, yeah, even for, to that, get, for that week uh, or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. most professionals, um, and it's not just sports, but like if you think about anyone who's owning their craft, whether it's a 10,000 hour rule or whatever you think about it, whether it's a musician, mm-hmm. the performance is probably only 5% of anything that they're doing. But they're training for the 95%. And wow. so for me, I'm thinking about, okay, at that point it was 2014. I have two years to go hit this mark. What's my investment? How can I fundamentally shift my mindset? And so being in this environment started to make me start to think about, um, and I'll, I'll go into a little bit about like what my days would look like, but it's a like, you have to go all in. And, and so there are some people that are able to work part-time and then mm-hmm. do it. But it's like, if this is a goal of mine in 21, it's like, I have nothing to lose. And then my biggest thing is I didn't want to wake up at 35 and said, that could have been me. Like I wanted to give it my my all. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So for me, as I'm sitting down, it's like I'm getting to be around these, these amazing athletes. I'm starting to see like there's a next level to this. It's like you have to eat, sleep and breathe to the point where I'm going to the grocery store. And the thing that's in my head is. I don't want to be on my feet for too long right so i'm mapping That's... out my route <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't, like the, the cool thing is like i was able to um being around these people so we'd live together and it's like our fridge is clean like everything is healthy like we're, we're keeping each other accountable we're working on our mindset we're visualizing like we're, we're taking rehab seriously ice bath like all this this fun stuff like we're getting our rehab and, but throughout the day when we start to think about what my day looks like you get up in the morning you know my coach used to say hey you need minimum 60 hours of sleep um per week and I was like, I'm trying to do the math because I'm,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> so, doing that in my head right now. That's a lot of, that's a lot of naps.
1: <laughs> that's a lot of rest, right? But when you think about LeBron and those guys, they're getting those eight to 10 hours of sleep minimum per week. And yeah, so that's where the recovery
0: happens. And so
1: exactly. forth. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I just came out of high powered like Ivy league college where I was sleeping four to six hours a week. And I was like, we oh. you were lucky. Oh, you said a week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, sorry. A day, a day. <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, coach, it's 60 hours a week minimum. I'm like, my body is just not used to that. So you start to think about the fundamental shifts we had to make. We're waking up, we're eating our breakfast. I'm getting the track somewhere 839, maybe a two, three hour session. You take a 30 minute break, then you're in the gym for another two hours. Like I'm leaving the day 233. Then it's recovered for the rest of the day um, to come and do that again, the next day. Right. And you think you're doing that six days a week. Like, my entire focus is how do I show up and have the best day ever? Like and you then, said, you're
0: living, breathing, and eating this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like all of this is geared towards right, because you know, with, with everything, there's a preseason. So you're like, hey, you know, you start maybe end of August to um and you you're not competing till probably December first meet. You have a couple of meets, December, January, you take a break, you hit back the training sessions, then you go maybe it's spring break um and then it's time for the summer so you're really just tuning that engine to let loose and it's like this 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 mindset of high performance that it's so funny that when I come and I transition and we'll talk about the transition exactly. to tech when mm-hmm. companies say we're a high performing team I'm like but how, really are you, are you though yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. uh, and I was like, like a,
1: There's no this is why, this here. goes
0: to why we hire athletes in sales because of this rigor that they're accustomed to. And the assumption I think that a lot of revenue leaders have is that it's going to automatically translate mm. in our environment when the reality is uh, you had a lot of good coaches around you. You had a lot of people who were not you know, your mentors, coaches, peers that were very like minded. So you had that component that a revenue leader has to try and recreate internally, right? Sales ops, peer group, marketing, demand gen, we all kind of have to be rowing in the same direction. And then it's the environmental conditions, right? Like just being able to be uh, secluded, if you will, to visualize and manifest these things. And, you know, the environmental conditions, we own that as revenue leaders, like we literally own that. Um, if, if, if we do anything, like the talent, uh, that an individ, individual has and what they do from a, you know, preparation standpoint, a lot of that does fall on the individual, but what we do own is the environmental uh, conditions and the structures that, that can be put in place to facilitate and foster these things. But yeah. that's when I hear this, I'm, I don't know about everybody else who's listening and watching, but that's where my mind is that I'm every point you're making, I'm making a parallel to a salesperson, a sales leader or in that environment of like that level of intensity, that it really, for me that's what it took i mean i i didn't have i didn't go to a fancy college uh you know coming up i started my career early and i just worked my ass off and i went all in and i didn't watch sports uh, like my friends were doing i wasn't going out to the clubs i wasn't doing a lot of the things that you know my peers would have been doing at my age A, I had a kid at home, but B, I also had this career that was bubbling and I wanted to make the most of it. So, you know, going all in is, you can't, it it sounds cliche, um, but you're really painting a vivid picture of what that looks like.
1: Yeah. And I'll add to that where you talk about going all in and like the sacrifices, right? So there is, Mm -hmm. imagine there's a young group of highly fit people in Phoenix, Arizona, we're right beside ASU, one of the right, biggest right. colleges in the nation. We're one of the biggest of college. party colleges in the <laughs> nation.
0: Right? A lot of temptation <laughs> run around, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: and so it's like the focus had to be there, right? And and yeah. and there is this we talk about creating that environment where so we had multiple coaches, right? It's it's multiple. Like I I would remember I'm just doing one sprint, and on an even given day, I would have maybe four to six eyes on me just mm. observing and 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 in not only do i have three coaches watching over me talking about like how to make me successful i have my therapist that's right there ready like hey if i'm feeling a tie to my back not he'll give me like a massage i have Shut another person out. who Whatever. is like an actual doctor someone there's the acupuncture it's like then you have are
0: you serious yeah. an acupuncture therapist yeah the-
1: man it's like <laughs> wow. an entire ecosystem wow. right of showing up and saying we're here and then um, we also had a sports psychologist a couple of times a week he'll just come out and watch like he's not just doing sessions with us in his office he's like I want to come out and see like what are the limiting factors like how do you show up in practice mm-hmm. and so there's an entire ecosystem of when you show up like no one is is telling you hey be motivated it's interesting we're talking about like I've I've done this It's like when when I start to think about coaching my reps is it scale is it will like that wasn't an issue when I'm training for the Olympics because everyone who shows up and said I'm in this. Like motivation is not an issue. Like obviously you want this like because you're here. And 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 the system is set up that if you're not into there's never been <laughs> we, you know, we say we have this term, we put people on pips and we coach them out. Like no one leaves the training group because everyone's there and is a hundred percent motivated. No one ever doubts your motivation. Um but they, you can everyone... always
0: say that in business though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. That's I
0: think that's the point. Is, uh, unfortunately, uh the reality is is that. You know you don't have people who are tapped into their passion the way you were in in business right i mean it's a job it's a paycheck, yeah. and True. i'm gonna you know do as little as possible to collect that check and you know like right or wrong sometimes we are a little too generous in our pay structures and it creates this lackadaisical approach because hey i live with mom and dad uh, my salary is X and I'm pretty good there. So I'm not really motivated if, if money is my motivation, if you will, but yeah, I think that's, so how do you, how do you take that? Cause that's going to be frustrating for you is like, you know, be working with SDRs, working with salespeople, even account executives that you're, you know, helping your SDRs with, cause they're right. Similar yeah. dynamic happens there. Uh, Coming from this level of discipline and focus that you have, and you have it articulated really well in your mind and with a chemistry major, you know how to, I'm sure, pragmatically deploy these things and run experiments with your team and all that. But how do you deal with the mindset of someone who is not giving it their all, who's not all in? How do you help them get all in or, you know? level it up a little bit? I mean, what, is, what does that look like? Because not everybody is driven and passionate around you like you are.
1: Yeah, I think that's it's very interesting. And I've, I've thought long and hard about this this type of stuff because each person comes at a different level of motivation, right? I do think the, the difference is for me, like if everyone's training for the Olympics, we know what the end goal is. And it's also very measurable, right? Now, when we come to the work world or startups, each person show up with a different motivation and they have a different end goal. Right, like you might say, "Hey, I have kids to feed at home," where I might say, "I every year." I I just got engaged. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. Those are listening and
0: watching. Darren just got uh, Damon has got engaged in January, so congratulations. But yes, different motivations.
1: Yeah, it's like different motivation, or I just had a kid at home. I just need like I I only have four hours of sustained um, growth, or it's like. I just graduated and I'm trying to travel as much as, you know, in my uh, flexible PTO that I get. Um, and so there's a part of it where you try to tap into each person's intrinsic motivation. But I think one of the things that, and I've recently learned this, is you can't get people more motivated or less motivated. What what I've said is going back to what you're saying, like we hit and hinted on it is like, how do, how can I create an environment where this person shows up and and bring their best selves and do their great work? So, um, we had talked about this a little bit, but it's a call, like the minimum viable dosage of if I'm setting up benchmarks or if I'm, if I'm working towards something, can I create a process that's inclusive of,
0: Hmm. Hey, here's
1: a mom that um she can only give me three to four hours a day and, and you know she's okay going on with the rest of the day with her with her with her son or this person um can't give me like he can work 60 hours can i create a process that's inclusive of all of that but then still contributes to my goal and so that's where the thing is it's hey everyone has an end goal right someone may want to travel and so how can i it's 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 a means to an end like it's the job is never an end unto itself so how can I ensure that the job and what what's requirement for for me and to how I'm going to hit my 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 you know pipeline goals right. serves their end goal? Um, and it might one person might just love cold calling and just like, hey, I'm just here to make as much money as possible. Make sure there's you know, um, there, good there's good leads. Give me.
0: Make sure there's <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you know, no, and, yeah. And, and, and the other person might be like, I just really like to connect with the person, so they're like. I don't mind being on the phone for 15 minutes or I don't mind taking time to craft this wonderful email. Mm -hmm. And so can I design a process and create an environment Where everyone is celebrating in their unique way, um, where there's the minimum, right? Like we want to make sure that people are because there's still stuff that I need. I still need to be able to predict my pipeline and how book meetings. I need to create new
0: opportunities and they need to progress. I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's the mindset that I've taken, and then it's like, hey, it's one of my philosophies. I should be having monthly weekly conversations outside my one-on-ones where it's like is this the best thing for you and there is an honesty no one likes to lose a job but i'd much rather it should never be a surprise if after okay. a couple quarters like hey this is just not where your head's at you mm-hmm. know and then it goes back to is it just something you don't have the skill or it's like i'm just not that interested in selling out a new widget right let's be honest and that's okay too <laughs> and well, so it goes back to I,
0: this is just a job and you know i i needed a job and You know, not everybody is super passionate about SDR work, for instance. It's a means to an end because a lot of them are trying to parlay it up to the the next step for themselves as well. But you're not going to get to that Olympic Games if you don't master the regionals. Right. So uh, same sort of thing.
1: Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn and I'm sure you've seen this too, Derek, where it's like, not everybody wants to be at the top of the leaderboard, which sounded crazy yeah. to me at yeah. that first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, how could you not want to you know, win and like be at the top? But it's like, hey, if they're hitting 90, to hundred percent of quota and they're just like, I'm just okay hitting my good numbers. Like I don't need to go above and beyond. Right. And I've had to be okay with that. Um, a lot of the teams that I work with, <laughs> I've come in and I've taken over. So sometimes I haven't hired them. And so for me, it's trying to figure out what kind of environment can I build that people are going to show up with different levels of motivation. And right. it's, it's kind of like building you to your It's Like, can you use what you have to, to make this amazing, you know, cake at the end of the day? Versus so
0: the, the one-on-ones whatever. you have a, an additional one-on-one, if you will, like another, you're meeting with them outside of your recurring one-on-one with the team members. You have another meeting that you do with them individually. That's, different like how are you doing is it check-in so that's part of how you operationalize this environment creating approach where it's uh you know dynamic enough for each person's intrinsic motivations right? yeah
1: yeah and that started um a couple years ago it was a like, really cool part of me i was just being selfish there was just like really um, Froyo ice cream place that was near our office down okay, yeah. um, <laughs> And I was like, hey, you want to go for this walk and talk? And like, well, as I was walking out, get my Froyo.
0: <laughs> and I'll expense it out and it's all good. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and it became like this thing where people really enjoy just like, because there was something yeah. about and there is this psychology behind it of being shoulder to shoulder of having this conversation where I'm just walking. Along a lot of outside. executives
0: do this. They go for walks. They have walk- yeah. walking one-on-ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and now, obviously, a lot of the stuff is remote. So it's like, hey, I'll just instead of the zoom, I'll just call your cell. I'll go for a walk. You go for a walk too, um, in your neighborhood. Uh, brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And so it's, it's kind of a decompression. It's the, the, one thing we've realized is, and sometimes the training, you kind of have to take people out of the environment that they're in for them to stop and like reflect. Um, yeah. reflection is a big thing. And if you don't, that's probably one of the main, um, ways that adults learn through reflection. Um, and so, if you don't create space for reflection, they'll never reflect on like, is this what I want? And and also make sure they feel comfortable because that's the hardest thing of like psychological safety. Do they feel comfortable saying, actually, this isn't it, but mm-hmm. I like getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we work this out? Because <laughs> that's so, that's what it comes to. <laughs>
0: do you get vulnerable, and how do you create psychological safety?
1: Mm. So yes vulnerability you can't go right if you read anything by bernie brown like that's that's where it's rooted in it's deep rooted vulnerability um there are times when i'm in between a rock and a hard place because if you you ask me like who do i serve <laughs> mm. um i have my ceo generally I have my head of sales yeah i don't have my reps so i'm right. sitting in between a lot of places where Um, at the end of the day, you you have this term where it's like, we're trying to increase shareholder value, right? And so part of me is I'm trying to move the business forward, but I'm also trying to look up because a lot of these people I would have hired, and I want to say, hey, like, I, I hired you. You put your trust in me and your career in me. I'm trying to make do what's best for you, which okay. might not be in this place or it might be. But here's what I might need to see. In or order it might to- not
0: be the thing that you want to hear or do. But that's the thing that needs to happen for you to reach that next level, yeah. whether you accept it or not. Just based on, you know, whatever track record and experience and pattern recognition you have.
1: Yeah. Um. A lot of my vulnerability, I'll be always share what I'm thinking. But it's I try to invite them into my decision process. Okay. And so it's hey, if you were me, I'm in this weird spot. It's you're three months into, you know, in the year, um, you're only at twenty percent of your quota. Um, here's what I'm seeing. These numbers aren't matching up. Um, I'm kind of like in in a tight spot here. Generally, um, we would put you on a pip and and do these things. But you know, tell Talk me to me. I, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and and so it's and then i also say hey i'm not gonna say who but i am being asked like what is happening like and i also tell them how i get paid too because that's that's like we're in this together your success is mine
0: you know if we can turn this around let me know what i need to do right let's get bought in
1: which is i don't think a lot of people do that i I tell my reps how i get paid and it's like hey um generally i'm here for your development so even though sometimes i might say we want to slow down to speed up i'm being Mm -hmm. affected too um because I'm trying to, it's, it's, we've seen it. Unfortunately, it's like, I've often said, we're trying to go along, right? Instead of we're trying to go, you know, we're not here for a short time. Like if we're truly trying to build a big business, which most people are, right? You, we, you're you not going to be here for six months. You're not going to be here for nine months. Yeah. You, you can't know? continuously
0: I, play the short game there. At some point you have to think long-term and strategically. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And there are some things which you and I, and you've done it too. You've grown and we've all grown. The growth didn't come in one week. It didn't come in two weeks. It didn't come. It in three higher. Years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some things, I'm still working out how I even ask questions. All of us have, you know, read the books and 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 like, oh, how we should ask like powerful questions. And we're still, I still wrestle with it. I still, I'm, I'm practicing. So these are the things that I am trying to share. Them Like I'm here for to make sure you develop as a person. And this is the tug because. At the end of the day, it's 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 what any sales leader has to deal with. How do we hit our goals today, but also think strategically four quarters down the road? Um, yeah, yeah. And, so- and how do
0: we, you know, uh, avoid attrition and get the most out of people uh, for the lifetime value of these employees? Right? Yeah, right. Like that's yeah, it's a constant bob and weave between long and short term yeah and there is a big responsibility that falls on us as as leaders as i mentioned you know those environmental conditions and these kinds of things we definitely own but there is other side of the pendulum right like how how much of the development how much of the change management does the individual own right the rep yeah. um i know i invest a lot of time outside of work um to get better to master my domain these sorts of things like you, you spend money on books courses, you take mentors out to lunch and dinner, yeah. right? You, you, there's a lot of things that we do individually to get better. But when you're working with a team, how much of an emphasis do you make on their ownership and the time they invest to get better?
1: Yeah. So it, this is an interesting too, because it goes back to the minimum viable dosage. One of the things I always think about is does the rep know what it takes to be successful? Do they know what good look like? Mm. Um, and and have I either modeled it where I'm jumping on calls, I'm sending emails, I'm doing a day in the life, or um, can I point out a top rep on my team and said, here's the behaviors that we want. So that's actually one of the most important things to me. And, and then the question then becomes, if they replicate the behavior that I would have shown them um, just by doing that, like, would they be successful or do they have to go be above and beyond? Now, this is different for every company because if I'm at a smaller org and it's very messy, things aren't like, it's blurry, things aren't laid out. I need someone who is okay with a little bit of (laughs) ambiguity. And then I might hire for a profile that is, you know, we talk about deep curiosity and is always learning on themselves, like they're a self-starter. Now, as the org mature, I may not need as much of a self-starter. I just need someone who will come in and execute. I don't need it to figure it out. I'm um, obviously. I'm still going to give you aut- autonomy and places to be creativity. To um, your ability to, to follow
0: instructions and not be a maverick becomes a real important asset now.
1: Yeah. So I think to that question you're asking is like how much is on them. I think it depends on the stage of the company. Okay. Uh, there's okay. always like I'm. I always say like there's so much within me, and and where I say is that like I want people to pull things out of me, right? And so I love when the reps like, hey, D, I have this idea, like we haven't been doing as much um, with our videos. Like I have this new video script. Can I go test it? I'm like, oh, cool. Like Let's add this to it. Or, hey, I just found this new tool I've been testing out for a week. I think it could help us in these areas. Like, what do you think? Or there's this new way of saying this. like, hey, I've just been trying this new stuff. Like, I love when reps pull things out of me. Because especially as we we grow bigger, we have more reps, like it's hard for me to put in a personalized, like, here's how to get the best out of you. Um, but I try my best to, to lay, do they know what it is to be successful? Do they have all the tools? And if they just did what I ask of them, like, would that be enough? More often than that, it isn't. Um, but the reps that truly, um, because I always say I can only define the, you know, the perfect process like maybe 70% of the time when everything's flowing if you follow my process you know
0: like you get 70% of the way there but smart people will figure out the 30% yeah um and
1: that's and that's I honestly I share that with them I said honestly I don't know if you follow my process if it's going to succeed I know it's like 70% you'll get there but you won't may not be 100% that that 30% directionally
0: (laughs) will get you going in the right direction Yeah.
1: yeah And mm-hmm. and as I said that differed by stage. The more mature we get, now I'm able to say, hey, I have all this data that I know that like if you do this, you're
0: going to ninety nine percent. Yeah, this is where you're exactly. going to end up. If you here's the pattern. So that that opens up a couple of things. The the KPIs, right? I think we all know the situation where a team will have these blanket KPI requirements, daily, you know, key performance indicators right, number of calls, number of emails, and we manage to these minimums. And if they're not hitting these minimums, they get scrutinized. Now, when I think about some of the things you've talked about in tailoring the environment and making it more fluid to the individual, it's the concept of saying that, you know, maybe Sally needs a certain mix of KPIs, where John needs a different mix of KPIs to get to that 80%, that 90%, or to get you know all the way there, right? Do you apply sort of a, a different mathematical model to individual reps, or do you still sort of subscribe to, here's the, the minimum viable uh, dosage in terms of like daily performance across the board for everybody?
1: I do not, I, I do more of a, well, it's still the minimum viable dosage, but I give them options, right? So um, like an example, and this is actually very rudimentary, it's like, hey, um, you need to add a hundred people, you know, net new people per week into sequence. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I'm already thinking, if I go to represent like why, right? And, And a lot of, it's actually probably my chemistry background, a lot of the things that I roll out, I'm like, hey, I don't have enough data. Can we run this test for this quarter? I love that. I was and hoping you were
0: going to bring this up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then at the end of the quarter, we can revisit and then iterate because yeah. we as salespeople don't want to talk about it, but it's like, okay, we're in May. And then June's coming up. And then summer. It's like, most orgs never get matured that seasonality. Like they truly understand seasonality. Like it's just like, okay, we know that summer is wonky, maybe December. Uh it's like, but vacations,
0: really vacations, yeah.
1: <laughs> like, why are we low this month? Oh, September was a low month. I don't know why it's like, you know, it's cause it's not just on us. So I, I say, Hey, here's me. I'm, I'm running a test. We need minimum hundred, but what does that look like? Um, Is it a hundred calls? It is hundred emails. If you follow the sequence. And so I would say, Hey, it's less, I'm, you know, and it's, so I guess I need to flip the caveat. Like, we all care about meetings and conversations those are the things that i always push towards Mm -hmm. and so there's always going to be a goal of hey can we get 10 conversations this week because we feel like the more conversation we have not only you're learning for the org but those conversations move into like meetings now how you get to the conversation is a little bit different
0: now we see each individual right yeah yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. so i can say here's just the numbers it's an average i'm seeing this is your initial rough numbers that in order to get to 15 conversations, you need to add 100 people per week. Um, this is an average people. <laughs> so if you know that you're more high volume, you're going to go But above. we know we need the
0: 15 conversations. That's yeah. a fact. So if you <laughs> yeah. take an alternate route and you should come up short to the 15, we have not succeeded. Yeah. Right? So like up the autonomy, like you're mentioning, is there. But again, Sally might do really well over social with video where Johnny might need to, you know, slam, pound the phones and you know, do some follow-up emails or or some mix there within, right? So that's the the piece that I feel like is hard for revenue leaders to wrap their head around. But that's also what reinforces your role as a frontline manager is to manage those components because that sort of thing is really hard to, you know, you you really can't uh, make it repeatable right? Because you bring a different person into the team, it changes that dynamic, right? So you need a person managing that individual dynamic in order for that to, which otherwise you fall back to everything is the same. We all have the same cookie cut approach and That brings me to the other point that I wanted to make about what you were saying is thwarting our development as a company. Because when we hire creative people, we hire well-meaning, capable people, a lot of times have a lot of passion and intellect and can figure things out, but then we force them into this playbook. We force them into this script, into these sequences, into this stuff, particularly if you're early stage, it's really hard to justify because you don't have the history, right? And so you force these really bright people early in their their stay with you, which is probably their most creative time. Yeah. And you put them into this very structured and this box, if you will. And if you're trying to focus on people who can follow instructions before you've gotten it repeatable, then you're not learning because they would have done different experiments, right? Yeah. They would have tried different approaches. They would have played with the KPIs that like we mentioned earlier in different you know channels but now you've thwarted your development as a company because you're not learning from those creative approaches that they would have taken. And you're thwarting their engagement in your, in your business. Cause now they feel like, okay, I'm in this box and I have to follow these instructions. Shit. I'm just going to sit here and shut up and just collect my paycheck. Right. So this environmental condition thing that we're talking about, I feel like is, is it goes back to why we need really sound leaders like yourself who've been around really good coaches and mentors because uh, that's we don't really get trained as frontline managers really well, right? We know the dynamic of hiring top players and promoting them in, but they never knew how to handle people. You, on the other hand, coming from your background, that's why I wanted to really establish that, is you were around a phenomenal set of coaches in one meet, in one practice. You mentioned six coaches, different you know, ecosystems around you. So um, anyway, I'll, I'll stop soapboxing, but I think what I hear this approach you're talking about this environment you're talking about creating we have to have this this fluid approach to it and we got to remember that you know we don't want to limit our own selves as a business
1: yeah yeah in there's a part of me like aaron ross the whole predictable revenue is one of the things that we miss is with everything it's we're humans (laughs) like we get sick like we have headache like it happens (laughs) yeah (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, and so I might build my model off like, hey, there's 20 working days, you know, um, this month. But it's like when you do the math, you're like, if I'm I have a team of three right now, you know, I'm hiring, hint, hint. And, but if like if one of my reps is sick this week, that's 30% of my team productivity gone down. <laughs> you know? And so we don't realize it's like the Part of it, I get like when I talk to CEOs or chief revenue officers and they want the predictability, um, that's what they want. They want people who are robotic and like, they know they can hit these numbers. And so it is arguably our, our very much harder to manage and to, sh- to lead the way that we're talking about right now, Derek, right, because right, right. It's, it's so much easier to go manage towards a number versus manage towards the individual. Because it's highly dependent
0: on people like you to orchestrate it.
1: Yeah. And so... The one thing that I've really changed the way I share reports and um, mm-hmm. predictions and just like forecasting is like, hey, we will hit our number if we're able to execute these things. Like, if we do these things, we'll hit our number. So my confidence, and we've—I don't know if we've ever talked about it—but there's a difference between the process goals and the outcome goals, right? Like the outcome goals are just, you know, like hey, I'm trying to read five books this, this year. So that's an outcome goal. The process is I'm going to read 10 pages each day. And so if you show up each day, read your 10 page, you might actually read more than five. Cause You might feel like, oh my God, like I'm just <laughs> going through. You might end up reading more than five goals. And
0: well, this goes so, back to what you were saying I'm, earlier with the 85%, like you're only like 5% of the time, 15% of the time you're actually performing. You're on the field in the meet. Whereas the 85%, 90% of your time is spent Preparing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is, and I've done this before in coaching where, you know, even cold calls, I was like, Hey, for, you know, you, let's say every 10 dials. So nine dials, you're just practicing a certain pitch. Like you're, you're being mindful. You're reading off the script. And then the 10 dial, you just like throw away the script and just go. Right. So it's like, we've I've, I've worked that into how people show up where it's like this hour we're only going to practice this opener and then after that we don't like <laughs> it's like we're, we're just going to do the opener and then whatever happens after that we flow and then there are times when we just show up and just like full embodiment we perform like we put on our best performance so i've, I've actually coached towards that but it, it really goes back to like am i setting um out on process so it's like i i'm always like if we follow this process my confidence is in the process. If I follow this process, we will hit our goals versus when, when I said, hey, like we have this 5 million goal this quarter, you know, how confident you're going to do it. It's like, ah, I don't know. But you know? high
0: confidence in this process
1: yeah. goals that, I like, have, that I have
0: that I know my team will show up and execute to this degree on a K, from KPI perspective. I know they'll add 100 people a week into the, into the sequences and I'm confident yeah. in that. And the... You know my confidence in the outcome is relative to my confidence in the process goals
1: yeah totally there's so much because then it's at the end of the day you can show up have the best goal call and still get told no or it's yeah. like I, can, I have no control over that <laughs> there's so many levels because then you start to think i can control the process i can't control the outcome if someone tells us no and we get in our feelings like we had no control over that but we can control yeah, as many as
0: you sales up. people out there think that you can sell anything anyone anytime. The reality is you can't, you know, it it shit happens, right? Like we all have, uh, you know, our our limitations. And to your point, we can't control it because the context is always changing. We have no idea what the other person on the other line is going through, what they're thinking, what's on their plate, right? Uh, Thus a cold call. (laughs) (laughs) So question for you in transition, uh, I'm gonna wrap up here in a moment. Um, So it has to equal hundred percent. You have two components. You have the two components are talent, individual talent, and the other one is environmental conditions. Put these two together, it has to equal 100%. What, what percentage do you give to one or the other? Which one is more significant, more necessary to reach our revenue goals, reach success as an organization? Is it individual talent or is it the environmental conditions? Where, how do you split the percentages?
1: Right now, I would do 65, 35, pretty sure it's 100. <laughs> um, environment definitely takes it. And okay. I've shared this with people before. Um, you don't smoke in church. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, did you ever? left
0: lifetime, they didn't. didn't. Uh, no matter how. I, mean, uh, I would have smacked somebody they all lit up in the church. <laughs>
1: And it it has nothing to do with whether you're a good person or you're a bad person. It's just the environment is so laid out for you that you follow the rules Mm -hmm. um, and that's a success. And so for me, is how can I continuously create that environment that like, I don't know. And the reason, because I've seen it where you've seen it too, you have an amazing rep and he's crushing it. And then you go build a comp plan on this amazing rep. And you're like, wait, why isn't anyone else hitting it when you realize <laughs> this work yeah. was just a rock star? Um, and so I'm not saying build it for the average person. But if your environment is set up that like people that with that can show up and hit it, like people who are above and beyond will go above and beyond. But mm-hmm. if this person that hits your core competencies when you're hiring shows up in your um, process can come hit it, then you've done a great job right? Versus the other way around, always depending on rock star like the Mavericks to just come and crush it. Like you don't really have a repeatable process there. You just have- yeah.
0: We can't all be star. Steph Curry. Yeah. <laughs> Go Dubs. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last question. You shared something with me uh, in our preparation that you're doing to drive revenue and to help your team develop uh, internally. And you have- some of a somewhat of a leg up on this because you have access to uh, certain tools and resources. Uh, it has to do with artificial intelligence. Talk to the team or team, the team thought. Look at audience I'm already calling you guys my team. Um, talk to the audience about what you're doing with AI to help your team get to the next level.
1: Yeah, and, and I think a lot of companies are doing this. We're fortunate that um, we do have. Um, all our docs, um, we 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 actually sell to um, customer success teams. So if you you've gone on a website and you said I need to figure out like how to fix my thing, you know every company should have a FAQ page. So one of the products that um, you know everyone's talking about, ChatGPT, and, and mm-hmm. there's like Anthropic, and so one of the things we start to think about how could this help us with our enablement, um, and so this whole idea. Of, I don't know about you, but a lot of people, I've used tons of tools. So we've used Lessonly, um, we've used all these like LMS. And so, but it's never right in time. And I know you've had other people on this podcast that's like right in time coaching. There's a lot of people that's doing that right now, you know, on top of Gong, on top of um Chorus. And so, what we're trying to think about is how could we learn more about our customer? But we have all this data, we not only have Gong recordings. Um, but we've also have all our internal docs. We have all the responses. scripts, of your rebuttals, yeah.
0: okay, and customer um, stories.
1: And so the idea is, um, how do we not only give the reps real in time, like when they have a question it's like, hey, what's my pricing, or um, this idea of like, uh, what's my connection, or hey, like this prospect is asking me, things. he's based here. Do we have a location there? Um, the idea is, can we feed this this tool, this AI? Um, you know, this, this thing, and then have them kind of like surface information for us. So we're taking it a different place of obviously it's helping people to a lot of people out there using AI, you know, chat with you to write emails. We're right, trying to use right. it for more of a, um, enablement piece. And so if you start- so you're
0: ingesting your, you have it, so you have an AI LMS platform of your own that you use for your customers. Right, so you, you is that is that what I'm digging out here, or and you're ingesting it with all your playbook stuff and all your content for your SDR team, and then through that you, they can query this model and come up with answers to customer questions and concerns. How far yeah, so
1: it's we're also basically training the model on our company. So I think, and I, I do think mm-hmm. this is this is one of the things where. I think it gets really powerful because right now it's very general it's like hey write us an email and i think there's some companies like if you think about reggie like you can tell them what your valid prop is and they can um like give you an email craft
0: three emails the way script will lead iq and you have you know lavender is helping their ai tool too yeah Yeah.
1: so for us we're trying to uh, my big thing was I need this to be the perfect um, SDR that knows everything. Uh, (laughs) So imagine an SDR that knows everything and you can ask him the question, uh, all the questions that you could have ever uh, wanted about your prospects, about, you know, your product, everything. So, Instead of having a, you know, when someone asks me, I don't know about you, but like I'm searching in Slack, I'm searching <laughs> like Google Give Drive, Notion, <laughs> bookmark. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine have all of that at your fingertips in just maybe just a Slack box. So that's something that we've been working on. It's been really great internally uh, for our team. It's um, obviously- like a bot.
0: Natural language requests comes back with what you need to know in near real time
1: yeah yeah. and 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 there's a couple ways that we're using it. Number one is just like at errands to. yeah you you've done it. you roll out a training and you're like, no people are afraid to ask questions <laughs> because it's like, eh, I don't want to look like a fool or right, right, right. or you know, they may not ask in the public channel. So it's also like you can just DM them and you have that private information. The other thing that is like really helpful for us, as I mentioned, did I mention we're hiring um is onboarding. And so imagine, instead of like all those little questions that you would have had, you'd have to go search everything. It's right at your fingertips now. And so my hope is that I can get a rep up and going in such quick time because he would have already had all of this as almost his AI helper of like, hey, I'm writing an email to this prospect. What are two or four valid props that we can use?
0: Man, truly, truly SDR cyborgs. Uh, I've, I've I've been touting this for a little while, but the level of uh you know tech sophistication that we're able to get to now with ai and you have a unique use case it's not something that's a point solution like the vendors that we mentioned this is something you've built in house which is a testament to that where a, a magnitude of models are being built everywhere and i love this idea of like your master or your guru str uh you know probably yeah. it's like i don't know what your uh, Alexa SDR, yeah, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's really. I mean, you think about it too. You just you, you train it like you need to do with AI, and uh, yeah, after it's been trained, now it can you know give you what you need in, in, a, in a jiffy. So, no, I love yeah. it, and I, I appreciate you sharing that. I know that's probably somewhat of a. Insider secrets some secret sauce that you guys are putting together to help you be competitive in your marketplace, but uh, thank you for sharing that both of should feel some idea creation for. Uh, our, our audience and our listeners, well, this has been good, uh, I think this has been a, a phenomenally inspiring uh, conversation hearing about your background and how you carry that into your management and leadership style uh, so for those that are listening. Uh, environmental conditions environment 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 right so uh, where do you want to send people to check you out learn more all that good stuff
1: yeah i'm just on linkedin down on mclean check me out there um always interacting with some of the stuff derek's putting out love uh, lovely sales development community so that's the best place or assemble.com um check out our careers page we are hiring
0: you've been listening to the sales consultant podcast if you enjoyed the interview and would like to support the show please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or on Spotify. Please also consider following our LinkedIn page. If you're an industry expert or if you know an industry expert that should be on the show, message us on LinkedIn at the Sales Consultant Podcast.